Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. Thank you very much for joining us today. This is the podcast where I want you to be financially free, physically free, emotionally free, and spiritually free. So welcome to, it's a, I have not acknowledged yet, so I'm going to acknowledge this episode, but I have not acknowledged Women's History Month. So happy Women's History Month to everybody. Um, I think that's worldwide. I'm pretty sure it is a worldwide um, uh, celebration. So happy Women's Month to all my fellow extraordinary women out there. And today I want to um, welcome a really, 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 really special guest. Um, today I have my, uh, I guess my first family member on with me. I don't know if I've had any other family members, but I have my sister, you guys, this is my sister, Cicely Wilson Fleming or Cicely Fleming. She is joining me today. Thank you, sis. Thanks for having me. And you actually had uncle Jerome on. So oh, I did. Forget. I did. Yes. I had Jerome. I'm sorry. Let me take that. I'm glad she remembered we did have Jerome on with us. So my second family member, but this one's really, really close to me. We were obviously we were raised in the same house. Um, okay, so guys, today, is there Cicely something you want to say? No, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Congratulations on all your success on your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's going pretty well here. Thank you very much. Um so let me tell you guys, my sister, if you aren't on any of my social media pages or anything, or if you don't know me personally or my history, I am from Evanston, Illinois. My sister, obviously, we're both from Evanston, Illinois. She currently resides in Evanston. I relocated about four years ago back to Atlanta. So I am right now in Atlanta, Georgia. She is in Evanston, Illinois. But on top of her being in Evanston, Illinois, my sister is actually a current um, sitting alderwoman for the city of Evanston. She is Ward 9, right? Yeah, yep, Ninth Ward. Ninth Ward. So Ninth Ward, Alderman, which is the south end of Evanston. And I've been contacted a lot over the past, I guess, well, it's been a while, actually months, but especially this past one month, I don't know what happened. We're gonna let Cicely do this talk, but um, the past one month, Evanston really hit the scenes regarding our reparations program that is going to be rolling out here shortly. People ask me a lot about it. I've been following it as close as possible. Um, what I can do from here, from Atlanta and getting information obviously from my family members and the news and friends. But I brought my sister on here today because this is something that's very close to her. Obviously, she's there. She's on the city council. She's voting. She's not spearheading. She's not on the committee, but she's on the city council. So she's heavily involved. So today we're going to talk reparations, which falls into finance. So it's right in line and it's a hot topic. So I brought my sister on here. You guys can hear it straight from the source. Well, yeah, straight from a source. So, Cicely, thank you very much again for coming. Yeah. So, how, do you want me to just give you all some background as to where we, yeah. met, where we okay. are? Because um, I probably start from the beginning. I don't know. I've never discussed it on the show. So, I don't know what people know that's happening, who has seen the news, who's read up on it. Okay. I would just kind of start at the beginning. So, the beginning for Evanston um, was 2019. The pandemic was 2020, right? So mm -hmm. 2019, maybe even late 18, um, I, this current group of city council members um, got into office four years ago. We're just finishing our first term. Um, and I ran on the platform of racial equity because Evanston, maybe Kai told you all, is a you know, diverse community, progressive. Um, however, we take that to the extreme in the sense of folks are always talking about how diverse we are, how great it is, but I don't, know that those folks are always the black folks and even with our diversity you know if you just look at the numbers those have you know gone down quite a bit folks like kai and others you know have chosen to live elsewhere which is their you know right to do um so in looking at um, racial equity there's a you know there's a lot to do more so than just talking about how diverse you are we have not really made great strides there unfortunately um, but many other cities, when they kind of start taking on this more racial reconciliation work, they really talk about the importance of leading with 
an acknowledgement of the harm that the you know government has done and you know kind of a forgiveness and you know a commitment to move forward so i wrote um a resolution that was called the resolution to i think it was called the resolution to end structural racism and pursue racial equity or something of that language now i'm not one who thinks resolutions really mean a whole lot they're just kind of statements but it was important if we were really going to be taken seriously and really take seriously our work that we start with something like that so that came forward like all things in Evanston everybody was not happy with it lots of folks thought you know I shouldn't be doing it and so on and so forth but I pushed forward we approved it again more symbolic than anything back in maybe early 20 I mean 2019 at the same time my peer um, Robin Ruth Simmons was talking about making you know some real tangible changes and, and she has a background in um, you know, commercial development and real estate and, and such. And so she was really talking about, she was really concerned about, you know, I would say home ownership and black folk who are left town and so on and so forth. So she started talking about this solutions only program where she wanted us to not do, you know, resolutions and all these other things, but something more tangible in this area. So she started with that conversation and I'm not really sure how it went from the solutions only to reparations terminology. But at some point it did. Um, there were some community meetings that were hosted by a staff we had at the time and our um, equity commission. They did some community meetings. You know, what, what would you like to see in, in, you know, any kind of funding? You know, what, what are solutions that, you know, you think we need? I did not participate in those meetings, but from reading the notes, it, you know, kind of went from we want cash to we want, you know, a variety of different program or, you know, financial opportunities. Um, I think those were about three meetings. At this time, my peer, Robin Bruce Simmons, was talking about, you know, reparations as cash benefits to people. And I think anyone who is familiar with reparations would tell you, you know, it's cash benefits, right? That's what, right. you know, not that a whole lot of communities have had reparations, but, you know, you think about um, the Jewish community probably is what most people think of, and it, it was, you know, lots of cash transfers in, in many different ways for that community. I mean, when people think about the national reparation movement for black folks, that's, you know, we're not at the 40 acres and a mule anymore, but people think about, you know, cash or something more tangible. So um, those conversations, you know, kind of got started. She then brought forward to city council, you know, a resolution that would put a million dollars a year into a line item of the budget, a fund balance, you know, fund into a fund um, over 10 years. So that's where the $1 million a year over 10 years came. And, you know, pretty much everyone except one person on the council supported that because it was again we were trying to start putting some money aside there had been no discussion about how to use the money and who will qualify at the same time the state was legalizing marijuana and we knew we already had one medical mar marijuana um, store here in Evanston hmm. that was going to get a license for commercial sales and so that was a new tax item new tax line money we have not budgeted for and so another colleague said well, why don't we use this money to fund our reparations. So that happens, I don't know, mid, I don't know, mid to late 2019. Um, you know, all good things. Again, we didn't know what the cannabis money was gonna be. There was a little bit of friction around using the cannabis money since black people have been penalized so heavily for kind of the war on drugs that now, you know, some people saw it as like a little bit ironic that you're not gonna use that money to repair us. But again, these were very, very early conversations. So my opinion, I think where we went wrong is then we started the celebration, right? So then Danny Glover was flown in and all these folks, and it was this big jubilee. We had, you know, we were having reparations in Evanston. So as a, you know, as a government, and this was not put on by the government. This was really, you know, put on by my colleague and some other folks. But, you know, folks are... I think I remember. Yeah, you know, folks aren't reading all the details of things. So I think that, in my opinion, as a government is where we really kind of took a misstep because we were coming out to celebrate something we really had not accomplished. Um, and again, people are, you know, most people aren't paying that much attention. So we received lots of press about that. Lots of citizens were excited. I mean, it was, you know, an exciting first step, but it was a first step with no tangible actions, right? So it was a whole celebration because we at least agreed that this was going to be something we were going to be serious about moving forward. I think so, right? And we had these numbers out there. Again, the $1 million over 10 years, I'm not sure. I don't really know where that number came from. And using the cannabis fund, again, was a good idea. However, 
we had not ever received cannabis taxes. So we really had no idea how much money that was going to bring in. It could have been, you know, it could be $10, could be $10 million. You know, we don't know. Right. Um, so good ideas, but I think, you know, without thinking it through, some people were misled by what we had accomplished. So anyway, all that happened, lots of press. Then we had COVID. So then kind of people were focused on other things, rightfully so. Um, there was a subcommittee made to start working on the feasibility study because we need to know, you know, as a city, we were not, you know, proclaiming to repair people from chattel slavery, but what has the city done? What does the repair look like? How about how many people are we eligible? So all that kind of stuff was what we needed to figure out before we move forward, you know, with any kind of action. So fast forward. So then those have been public meetings. They've been, you know, Friday morning on Zoom for whoever, you know, is not working and can make a Friday morning meeting and whoever's, you know, as I said, just not simply trying to survive the pandemic and is, you know, engaged. And we had some people, you know, I looked at all the notes. Some people came and gave opinion and there was, you know, real estate experts brought in and, you know, lots of people participated. Bankers came and talked. Um, so fast forward to where we are now, we are coming up to election season. So the election happened in 19 days, I'm counting. Um, and I think the idea is like, what's going on with reparations, right? So, um, you know, I think there are many, many reasons why we're at the point we're at now, which is Monday, there was, there will be a proposal that we're supposed to vote on regarding reparations. Um, but again, today coming up- is, wait a minute. Today is the 16th, 17th? Is, yeah, so the vote will be March, the proposal will come up March 22nd. That's next week. Yeah. And then, like I said, the election is, you know, a few weeks after that. Um, I think folks who have worked on this feel like, hey, we've worked on it. We have something to roll. Let's get it forward. I think, you know, people who are a little more skeptical like me realize it's an election season. Folks want to win. There are also some folks who are not coming back to city council, um, including the mayor and, and Bruce Simmons. What is your status? I am coming back to city council, although every day I... I am the only uncontested seat on city council, which is, you know, I, I, is, a, is a humbling thing because, you know, I understand people don't agree with me. They don't have to agree with me. Um, so I'm coming back. So I'm the only person who's guaranteed to come back on the next council. Anyhow, so we will be, so we are being presented with something to vote on on Monday. The tension has come in the details of what the presentation is. So what we are being presented with is a, I think it's called a restorative housing program. So the component, okay, so- Wait, and can I stop really quick? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask a question back. Um, you said a million dollars a year, $10 million. Right from the marijuana sales or taxes or whatever. That is the only funding that the city has allocated to go into that. Budget. Okay, so that was gonna be my question because we're speculating. If the sales are under, there's no fund that that's backfilling. We cut the program short. It's just this one pot is where the money is coming from and that's what we're spending. Well, and we've had, so, okay, so let me back up. So we had our first allocation of funds from the state for the marijuana tax. Okay. We will get them every six months is what the state has said. Okay. Our first allocation that was from, you know, six months of sales last year were $250,000. Six months and two fifty. Yes. So we're starting off a little bit behind, but it, that. A little bit. Yeah. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> we also, again, we don't control the marijuana sales in terms of licensing. That's controlled by the state. And that has right. been a whole big debacle. Right. So we have no idea if we will have, you know, the state giving out license has been very slow. We, because of where, um, based on zoning, where the marijuana places can be, we can only really have three here in Evanston, which is a lot. We're only seven miles long. Yeah, please tell people how large Evanston so is. Evanston is seven miles long, four miles wide. It's not, not very big. a big geographic area. Not very big. At all. 75,000 people. Um, so we can't have a ton of places and you only the municipalities only get the tax dollars from their stores and their municipalities now marijuana itself is taxed at about i think 35 or 40 percent however like, yes yes okay that's the licensing or that's the when you go in and make that is when you go into the store wow however the local municipality tax portion is three percent 
because the rest goes to the state. It's like cigarettes. It's like cigarettes. You get three percent of the thirty percent. Yes. So if you go to the store and you buy twenty dollars, now you're the math person, Kai. <laughs> Say it's thirty percent because I haven't purchased, so I don't know. Dollars is tax. Six dollars is tax. So we get three percent of the six dollars. Okay. So it's, that, it's that's a, important to know. That's important. The numbers, details are important. So it's not that it's you know no money. It's right. just it's a it's a tax line that we don't control. Right. Right. We also live in the state of Illinois, where unfortunately, in years past, where we've had really poor management on the state level, they've kept sales tax. They've kept our transfer taxes for gas and things in the past. So, you know, who knows? But that aside, so what was I getting to? But we did this year, the city manager did put some more money in the reparations fund because I think she understood people were going to want to do allocations. So we did put, I think, $100,000 from the city fund in there. And people have been making individual contributions. But you know, you cannot depend on individual contributions necessarily. Right. That's kind of extra. Okay, so where we are today is we are looking at allocating four hundred thousand dollars, so two fifty from the tax, and you know the rest from the budget or um, donations. The four hundred thousand dollars proposed allocation will be allowed to be utilized by sixteen people. One six. Okay. And and the, the, the program framework is you will get. $25,000 that will be paid to a bank on your behalf to pay down your mortgage or mortgage company, whoever owns your mortgage. If I am a homeowner and I have a mortgage, I can use $25,000 to pay towards my mortgage. So this would be the city giving money directly to your lender. I can use $25,000 towards a new home. Again, the city giving $25,000 directly to a bank, or I can use $25,000 to make improvements to my home city given $25,000 to a contractor. So under the name of reparations, which again, historically we have seen being cash or some kind of wealth given to individuals who have received the harm, people, including myself, have lots of concerns about doing this under the name of reparations. And I think as a government agent, my bigger concern is that we have done lots to say, you know, this is historic and precedent setting and monumental and everything else. And if we move this forward in this sense, I am concerned because we are the first municipality, we have now given license to all kind of other municipalities to shortchange reparations and to essentially tell banks, hey, you can go out or, or municipalities, right? You can transfer money on behalf of folks to all different kinds of institutions in the name of reparations. Right. And I think it, for me personally, is an insult to Black people because Again, as a sitting city council member, we are sued, the city sued by all kinds of people, trip on the sidewalks and all kinds of things people sue us for. And they take us to court and the judge finds that we're guilty and we pay whatever the cost is. We don't tell them they have to pay. The judge doesn't tell them they got to pay their medical bills. Right. You know, there is no, nothing that we do or the legal system does to say, this is how you have to use the money, right? right. There is no other time in which I sat in city council in which we've we've given money or paid, you know, a fine or judgment in which we have determined and told folks how they need to spend it. And not only that, we've paid it on your behalf, right? So I think it adds to the insult that now when it's black folk, they have, you know, they can't manage their own money. We have to manage it for you. And the reason that's been given in terms of why there is no um, direct cash payment is because people would have to pay taxes on that. But I think every person living in the country of America understands you have to pay tax when you're giving money. Right. People got to pay taxes on the stimulus well, checks. Unemployment. On the stimulus checks that are coming out. And I have not heard one person say, don't give me my stimulus because I got to pay taxes on it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think it adds to the injury because it also, in my opinion, falls under this very, you know, kind of heavy patriarch. We know it's best you know, kind of white missionary idea that black folk either can't manage their money or we've decided this is the best way for you to gain wealth. Because this is all under the idea of this is going to advance um, or help black people with generational wealth, which we have been, you know, not allowed to, to gain because of a, a variety of things. But, you know, as you know, and as this show has told people, I don't know that people are generational wealth is in your house anymore, right? I mean, I think we're looking at a bunch of foreclosures coming up once the pandemic kind of settles a little more and courts open. 
I mean, I think, you know, I, I had a gentleman call me the other day and say, hey, I want to use my money for Bitcoin. I can get much money, more, you know, and somebody else said they wanted to open up a trust for their grandson. And who am I to tell you right. what to do with the money? You know, I think a little bit falls under the guise and we, you know, maybe haven't analyzed it enough, but that, you know, black folk can go out and buy cars and shoes and everything else and not manage their money well. And I think it's yeah, not our place. It's not our place <laughs> for the government to tell people how to use their money. Right. Particularly money that we're saying we owe you to repair a harm that we've caused you. So obviously the banks would be counting their their money already, you know, once you find out who is going to be. Well, I mean, right. But if I qualify, so you and I will qualify under this guy because we could prove that we are descendants to a family that's been here, you know, for forever. But then we also have to qualify as an individual for a home loan, right? Because there are no home loan products that are being brought forward to say, hey, if you're a reparations beneficiary, you know, I Chase is willing to work with you. Right. Chase is willing to work with you, you know, interest-free, you know, any kind of real right. sweet offer in that way, right? But even if that were the case, I think I would support having something like that. But again, if that person chooses to buy a home, then we have some, you know, great packages for yeah. you to utilize. There's a lot of issues. I mean, you, uh, just what issues. you said, number one, you're telling people how to spend the money. That's problem number one. We're not even telling you how to spend the money. We're spending it on your behalf. <laughs> well, yeah. You don't even get to touch the money. Right. It's a line item on your... And if we kept, if we start this program at $25,000, which I think the idea for $25,000 is housing is expensive and that is so let's give people something that might help, help them get into a house. Mm-hmm. If we then said, okay, if we stuck to the model, we're never giving cash. Or even if we did say cash, whatever we did from now on out, which is another issue because nothing has been laid out past this. But whatever we did from now on out needs to be at $25,000. I mean, right. we can't say we're going to give people cash, but for cash, we're going to give you 200 bucks. But if you do the house option, it's 25000 So if we stuck with $25,000 and we achieve the monies that, you know, the 10 million dollars, we can help 400, 400 people. That's just our family. That's just one side of our family. <laughs> that won't cover even just our mom's side or our dad's side of the family is more than 400. Yeah. So there's a lot of shortcomings that I'm concerned about causing more, and that's already causing frustration in the community. As people, you know, people are like, oh, reparations coming up. Where do I get my check? And they have to say, well, there's no check. There's, the, you know, and they're like, what? And so even if we, I'm not opposed, which people have said like, oh, we're just doing a little bit at a time. I'm not opposed a little bit at a time. You know, I don't think we have to grow this fund to billions of dollars. I, we could say every six months we're going to do allocations. Right. Right. But if this is the only program we have coming forward and we're now saying, hey, well, we're going to let the new council figure out the rest. People have anxiety, like, right, do I apply for the housing program or do I wait for door number two? They don't know what's coming next. We haven't said if you can apply for one thing and then not the other. You know, and if we're just doing cash transfers, it's like, hey, once you get your check, you're done. Right. And okay, let's stop there too. So I saw that um, it's Robin, Ann, and Peter mm-hmm. are on the committee. They're the committee heads in the council. Right. Who Robin's not coming back, right? And Anne is Anne lost Anne her. Is not coming back now. either. So two of the three people that are heading up the committee committee right now are not returning, right, for the next term. So they're gonna automatically be replaced by their their replaced person. So there, there's a new committee that we approved to be formed. There, so now that new committee will be second, fifth, and eighth ward aldermen, mm-hmm. as well as I think it's four or five citizens. So people can apply now to be on the committee. But yeah, so that committee, once formed, will be responsible for implementing all this stuff. And so if we're only helping 16 people and we have 85 who qualify and apply, I mean, we might have a thousand and five, whatever we have. We have enough money for 16. The only information in the new documentation that just came out yesterday is that it will be a randomized selection of people. Lottery. I mean, I think that would be the only way to do it that would be fair. But I mean, literally, there's been so much concern. We'd have to do like the bingo ball and on TV so people know we're not, right? But then how do you tell people who didn't get the funding, like, we'll get to you later and we don't know when later is. Right. What if you're really interested in this specific part of the program? You, you don't want the cash later. You don't want whatever else may come up. You want the housing program. 
but we don't know. We're going to start with 16. We don't know how many more. And is this 16 is the first, you don't probably don't know this. 16 is just the first set of people. 16 whole year. We well, 16 is based on the money we have available now. So again, right, the marijuana tax comes six every six months. I think we get another allocation like in July. So once we see how much money we have in July, if it's another 250, okay. then it's not even 16 people. Then we're saying, okay, we're gonna take 10 people. But again, I don't think that a housing program, I think a housing program is great as a housing program. I don't think a housing program is reparation. So I would move us away from even doing another model of this program further down the line. But even again, if we get $250,000 again and we say, hey, we're gonna just do cash payments or you know, buying people a car, whatever it is, we if we start at $25,000, we only have enough next time for 10 people. And are these 10 new applicants? Are these people who are on the waiting list for housing? You know, all these kind of things haven't been flushed out. And I think it's been proposed that the new committee flush these things out. But I think again, in my government seat, that's just not good policy. Right to have a policy that is not complete and one that you're leaving for someone new to implement because Evanston, as you know, it's a very tense community. So I was going to say, how do you know the people who are replacing these seats a want to be involved on this committee? What if they had their heart set on a different committee, or what if their feelings are different than the person that was on the committee? Well, so they don't have to be on the committee. I mean, we've set it up that way, but I'm sure if someone in the second war is like, you know what, this is not really my, you know, we could figure that out amongst the council. Um, in terms of their feelings being different, I, you know, my guess is that that's part of the reason that we want to get this passed now, because it's like, okay, you might feel differently, but this is already passed. Now, I'm sure there are some ways, you know, parliamentary that we could overturn this, you know, with the new council. But again, why go through all of those steps instead of just slowing down hearing from the community that has come out to say, hey, this is not reparations to us as the black folk. You know, now that the policy's out there, now we can do some community engagement and community meetings. Okay, this is the proposed policy. What are your thoughts? You know, and then go back and fix it or tweak it or say, hey, like, you know, people don't like this at all. But again, we're running up against this election. And I think when you mentioned a month ago, about a month ago, not my what happened? Why, why I, I think that's when the soul of the soul of the nation, which I didn't watch, but I think it was when the soul of the nation and all these other programs started talking about reparations again. Then it was like, oh, Evanston, what's Evanston up to, right? So then the spotlight had, that kind of died down. I think came back. I don't know if it was offered to come back or just came back. Came back, and so then it's like, okay, now we're back in the news. We got to do something. Okay. But I spoke to a professor who's doing you know, the state of Maryland is thinking about reparations and they're doing a feasibility study. They want to know what, you know, what, what are they repairing about? How many people are they thinking? Where would the money come from? And they're taking five years to do just a feasibility study because they said, look, there's a lot we have to consider. Now, that would be one of my questions. Did you guys interview people? You asked anybody? So there was these, again, there were these three meetings before the committee, or right at the beginning of the committee, maybe, or maybe before the committee. Then the committee has done some town halls or something. But again, I, you know, people are going to give you a variety of opinions, but I think what we're missing, or what I haven't seen, is the feasibility study. So again, how many people would even qualify for whatever it is, right? How many people fall within this criteria that we've set. And as you said, I mean, we have a huge family, so there's a ton of us and there's a lot of, you know, and so this current program iteration, you would not qualify for because you have to then make everything your primary home. Right. Um, Can you hold my check for the next program? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's- Orlando says hold his check too, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of folks who have left who if we're saying reparations, they might think, oh, okay, I qualify. Um, and so what was I saying? So anyway, so the state of Maryland, they're doing this five-year feasibility study. I grant, grant much bigger than Evanston. But when I spoke to him, he said, you know, if you don't have a feasibility study, you have, you know, you don't even know if Tim McDonald's is enough. And he said, you know, hey, you, you might've found that this is really complex. We don't, you know, we have, you know, a handful of lawyers, none of them, this is their specialty, but this is really complex for the money that we have. You know, we know maybe if we say 10 million is our max, for the money that we have, maybe it's better to give people, you know, thousand dollar check and be done with it, right? And we could acknowledge that we don't have. This is not nearly enough money to repair the harm we've done. But this is budget. this is a symbolic gesture to show, right? Um, people probably would not have liked that, you know, for a variety of reasons. But some people might have been happy to get that and 
going about their business. Well, whereas now we're seeing a whole lot of people getting a thousand versus sixteen people getting twenty five thousand. And peeps, and again, people, we got a lot of people who live in apartments who aren't at the point of being able to buy a house or maybe don't want to buy a house, right? Our property taxes are really high. So for my family, if we got the $25,000, even if we said, okay, because I did ask this, what about property taxes? Because I hear from a ton of seniors who, you know, own their houses, but their property taxes are killing them. Mm -hmm. And so even if we said, hey, we're going to pay your property taxes, you know, depending on what your house is like, for, for my house, $25,000 to pay my property taxes for one year, basically. But it, you know, better than a stick in the eye. Right. Um, but for some of our seniors in smaller places, it might have paid their property taxes for a long time. Right. And when you have seniors who probably are the ones who are closer to the direct harm than you and I are, you know, giving them cash to supplement their Social Security and everything else might have been helpful. Or not telling those folks, okay, you have to wait till the next program. Right. When you're a senior. Because they're old, right? Yeah. Right. When you're a senior, you should maybe be first in line. Oh, yeah. I, you sent me that. Um, I think this is this attachment, but I saw there were like four sections. I'm trying to scroll through. There's three kind of program sections, but there's right. the qualifications are, I think they're calling it ancestors. So it's not like our seniors who have lived here. And the time frame is 1920, 20, I think. Yeah, it was. The 1969, which is 1969 is when like, you know, fair housing laws came in. So it's people, you know, the older folks, then it will be direct descendants. So I think that would be like us, mm -hmm. you know, who can prove. Yeah, I just missed the cutoff. <laughs> and then, well, you will be direct descendant. And then there are, there's something else. Let me see, I'm pulling it up too. Yeah, I could look at it. And then there's one category which people have questioned, which is anyone who doesn't, not, a, not an ancestor, not a direct descendant, but can prove housing discrimination past 1969. So that's probably a small amount of people, and I don't know what kind of documentation you'd have to prove that. Um, you know, if we had the documentation, that would have been a lawsuit already, right? I mean, if they did it when it wasn't legal. Right. <laughs> and that, you know, that's a whole separate question. When was it not legal? Okay, housing, economic development, education, finances, and history, culture. Yeah, so those... Uh, have not been approved by council. Those are, I think, the suggested areas in which the, you know, reparations money should be targeted, okay. right? And I think education, people would all agree. I would say education was done by the Board of Education, which is a separate elected body and a separate taxing body here. So there's lots of conversation about building a fifth world school again. You know, I said, I think that's great. That is not a city of Evanston you know, it wasn't a city of Evanston in terms of government decision to close the school. That will be a board of education decision whether or not they open the school and the school should be funded by the board of education, right? When they closed foster school, they, you know, they retained whatever, you know, expenses they used to, you know, they kept those funds right. to themselves, right? Those weren't shared across the board. There was no gain from the city of Evanston. That building went to, um, you know, went to Fleetwood, you know, went to whatever, family focus, right? There was no gain from the city of Evanston by making that decision. Um, so I said, if they want to open a school, I think that's great, but that money should come from the school district. I think people who are responsible for the harm are responsible for the repair. And that needs to be very clear because then we'll start lumping everything into like this Evanston reparations. And as you said, you know, we're doing housing now. And if we say, okay, well, school's next. And so we're going to give people school loans. And then if we say, what is it? No, culture? Not, loans. Okay. not loans, but grants, right? <laughs> right. And if we say, what is that? Culture is next, you know, and, and all of those things. And again, those things might've been garnered from what people gave as their input during these early community meetings. Um, and those things are things probably the government should be looking at, at least the city of Evanston, things under our purview. But when we think about, again, reparations to individuals, right? people have a very clear idea of what that is. And so I think if we were doing some racial equity projects, mm -hmm. all those things could definitely fall under those. And we can say we're putting aside this much money for these racial equity initiatives, mm -hmm. but that is not reparations. And I would, I would argue we probably could stand to do both because we've had enough harm and we probably could justify doing both. So I was thinking Evanston is, you know, uh, making an attempt at doing their part to what they actually did you know, the harm they caused mm -hmm. still is a federal issue, 
the federal government should come in at some point and backfill with the harm that they cause. Right. Um, you know, Evanston definitely has its part in it, but it's it's not there. They weren't the purveyor of it. They didn't make it up. Right. And I think that's been mixed um, among the scholars who I've talked to. There are definitely scholars who feel like Dr. Deirdre, you know, I think it's probably most people would say is a scholar. He's been working on this forever. He feels very much like local municipalities should not be doing reparations at all mm -hmm. because his concern is that then it gives the federal government potentially the option to say like, oh, we don't have to cover Evanston. Right. You know, those yeah, black folks yeah. are already covered. So, or, or that it will be watered down. Now, there's another group of people who feel like, you know, getting these local things started just puts more pressure on the federal government. And I know that the organization that Robin has been working with feels very much like us doing this is going to push the federal stuff over because it's been so much in the news. Push it um, over as that. Push it over in terms of like, we better get moving, right? Like it's more people talking about it. That probably is the case. However, I, I'm elected to represent people in Evanston. Right. You know, what, what, if the federal government does or does not, I don't know. I don't, is it going to help or hurt? I don't really know for sure. And I don't think anyone knows until we see it, but I'm elected to make the best decisions for folks in Evanston. And I think for us to say we're doing reparations and we're doing a home owner program is not, you know, not honest. That's really what it is. This is like a home buying, a home buyer assistant home. That's really what the program is. Mm -hmm. It's nice, but different cities do these type of things all the time. You have all kinds Apparently, of- Apparently Evanston used to do one a long time ago before I was here was a first time home buyers program. People yeah. said it was very similar. We've got tons of them in Atlanta. There's tons right. of them. You go through like a class, you get the down payment, you go through the class, you know, we've got even Habitat for Humanity. You can do their program. They have a really robust program. So um, now what about, you mentioned it was another city that was working on the reparations program or had completed it? Well, oh, no, I was saying the state of, the state of Maryland is working on a feasibility study. Now, wasn't it like somebody in the West on the Karen Hunter show, didn't you mention some other mayor or someplace? Oh, no, I maybe mentioned, um, oh, we were talking about, he shows him on Stockton, California. So Michael, yeah. Michael Tubbs, who was the, used to be mayor, he got voted out. He did universal basic income. Oh, okay. So he had lots of money from like Silicon Valley and they gave people, I think $500 a month for 18 months. And it was kind of a pilot program. It was very successful. We are actually launching one of those here as well, using some money from Northwestern. Mm -hmm. um, that hasn't happened yet. But yeah, so we were talking about that in terms of giving people their cash directly. Right, right. And he had a lot of options to that because obviously people, it's always, you know, poor people gonna manage their money correctly and all that kind of stuff. But they just released the data for that that I'm gonna look at today and found, you know, most people were like, hey, I paid, use my rent, right? You paid my bills. It doesn't matter how people are gonna use it their money. It doesn't matter, but this is where we get into That's the- irrelevant. This is where we get into the judgment of people who are poor and people who are, you know, mostly minorities, right? Like that folks feel like, you know, it's running other people's lives. It's the same issue we had actually one of the current city council members on one of the forums said in terms of home, home ownership that it's a value issue. That when he was looking to buy a home, him and his wife moved to a cheaper place so they could save money and people have to stop buying coffees and gym shoes and all those kind of things and save their money. This is Autumn Braithway. People need to save their money. It's a values, it's a value statement. Oh. So I would say, well, people need to make more money, right? Like people need to make more money. Wait, <laughs> but what does that have to do with the represent? That's why he's saying that the money. No, I'm just saying that whole narrative of like oh. why poor people don't have whatever is because they don't spend accordingly. Okay, we've proven that to be false a million times, but okay. Peter's staying though. Peter is. He's up for re-election. He's on the reparations committee. Okay. He has a competitor. Who's his competitor? Uh, Darlene Cannon, black woman. She's lifelong second war resident. Got it. Got it. All right, go Darlene. Am I not supposed to say that? Anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, I, you covered it pretty well. At least everybody now can understand what is actually happening because people are definitely cheering on my page. People are cheering. Yay, reparations, reparations. Um, 
We have uh, Reginald Muhammad here in Atlanta, who's over one of the reparations organizations. So I may actually try to, if I'd have thought about it in advance, maybe I would have reached out to him before, but um, I'll definitely reach out to him or make sure he listens and maybe he'll give us his take because he's been studying it for years. He had some books. He showed me some books and some um, reports he had done. So I know they've been looking at it for a while in his organization as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, if people are looking at it and I think people have lost hope that the federal government's going to ever do it. Right. But we see like, you know, I think it was Lindsey Graham last week or two weeks ago talking about, you know, the help they're giving farmers is reparations. And I think if we start throwing this out there, like I can do this one thing that probably I'm supposed to be doing already as a government anyway, um, and that's reparations. Right. I think it's it's quickly becoming kind of how now racial equity has it's become just, you know, becoming the buzzword. And people, we, I'm concerned if we're saying we're setting a precedent, or even if we don't say we are, that we potentially are, that it's not a great one because people will think they can do these kind of one-off kind of social service programs and it's reparations. Right. And right now with the dollar value just losing strength. <laughs> In the housing market, I mean... Yeah, the housing. You, I, last week's episode, I was telling people, look for the red flags here. Pay attention. We just went through this in 2007, 2008. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the, because the courts are not processing evictions, people are still kind of housing stable. And there's tons of money coming out, you know, from government about, you know, helping people with their rent. I mean, here in Cook County, they've just been pumping every dollar they can. It's a rental assistance, but they also realize you know, if you lost your job early in the pandemic and you've still been out of work, you you know, you're a year behind in the unemployment, mm. you know, unemployment, even the unemployment in Illinois, just the even system to apply is ridiculous. So, you know, they're, they've been kind of holding these courts closed. But once the courts open, I mean, people have a right and they have already filed, but to pursue eviction, if you're not paying, you know, it will be great for realtors, for landlords to be sympathetic. But at the same time, particularly our smaller landlords, they can't afford to cover folks just living there for free either. And people who could afford to cover it don't want to do it. Yeah. And so it's like, they don't want to lose 10 cents. And so it's like, you know, these foreclosures and evictions are coming. Yeah. And, you know, we can't, we can't just ignore that and say, well, black folk can, you know, gain generation, generational wealth by sitting in the house. Cause we also know, you know, if you don't have enough money to keep the house, even if you get in it, then that's problematic. Right. Well, uh, I would say we've come a long ways. I'm not sure if we've really come a long ways, but we're talking about it. At least it's a discussion. It is a discussion, which is great. And I think it's good. I'm, I, I, you know, I applaud my colleagues for starting the discussion. I think it's a good discussion to have, but I think implementation needs a little more time. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'm keeping hope alive. Go ahead, Jesse. I want you... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I want you to be sure to put my name down on the paper when it comes time. Don't forget your big sister. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's so funny when we were on the phone, we, I just got a call from one of our cousins and I was like, Lord, she probably calling about the reparations too. Like, how you how you fill out my paperwork? Oh my goodness. But that's been most of my calls. People are like, oh, how do I know? I was like, okay, let me tell you what it is and what it isn't. And they're like, what? Most of my calls are Bitcoin, so my, yeah. my phone rings. But once I tell people what it is and what it isn't, they're like, what? I don't want that. You know, it's just like, okay, I'm just telling you the truth of what it is and what it is. Right. At least in terms of what's coming on Monday. Now, you know, with the new council and new new thought, we could change it to just cash payment. You know, we could change it to anything. But what is coming before me on Monday is not that. And the housing is pretty locked in. Or the housing is the only proposal. Now, nothing's locked in. We have to oh, vote. Okay. okay. But so I thought the housing was cut and dry. That was happening. But how nothing, I, has been, nothing has been approved by city council. So okay. the, it's up for, you know, us to start talking about, I think they probably would like to have a vote too, but I oppose that, but to start talking about in public on Monday. So how does the council feel about it? Well, you know, we got three that are, are pro yes. For I sure. don't really talk to the council so much. So <laughs> uh, the one council member who I speak to the most has some concerns. You know, this is the funny thing about uh, Evanston, right? We have a lot of white folks who, 
you know, they, you know, they want to be on the right side of history and this is good for black people. And so they're probably going to support it. Also, there's a lot of folks, you know, people need to just calm down. This is just part one. This is just 4%. And I've said, you know, you can't tell black folk to calm down when they are advocating for something that's supposed to benefit them. Mm. Right. And they don't feel like it benefits them. Um, so I think my guess is that the majority of council minus myself and maybe one other person will vote to support it. Just two of you? I mean, that's my guess. I could be wrong, right? but that is my guess. Because from my four years up here, you know, pretty much folks know what's best for Black people. And, you know, because the people who have been very vocal and outspoken about it can be, you know, pigeonholed into these other issues. It's like, well, they're just mad in general, or they're just mad because of this. And, you know, because it's still, we still operate under like the political correctness, right? And so it has to be these certain elite kind of black people who come forward to say they have concerns and then we might listen. But when it's just a regular everyday black folk, it's like, and particularly because we do have a lot of people to end up from the black community coming to council about different issues, right? They, but I just say, well, that's because they're involved, right? They're, they're reading the packet. They have, they know what's going on. So they come and give voice. It doesn't mean we should discard their voice. Um, but we, we very easily, you know, marginalize folk because they are always complaining. But I think if people have a valid point, we need to listen to it. Yeah. And again, because we have, there's no timeline in terms of taxes or, you know, the law or this money's going to go away at the end of the month that we have to make these decisions today. So somebody just wants to be on their record, sounds like. <laughs> on their resume. Sounds, sounds you know, I... I and I can understand, too, like, you know, I'm on a committee. I work really hard on something. I'd like to see it fast before I leave. I do understand that, and I support that, right? But it also has to be correct, right? I'm leading the committee to hire some social workers to go out to respond to calls instead of sending police out. So it would be nice if that was finished now, but maybe I don't have the urgency because I'll be on council, but also, like, we're just not ready. Right. All right. Well, I'm with it. I'm, you know, you know, I'm here for you. Well, I appreciate it. So I, yeah, so I will um, keep you posted what happens on Monday. I have my statement already prepared that I will read on Monday. And uh, mom sent me something this morning. I didn't even get a chance to read it, but it no, was that wasn't my statement. No, it was some more reparation something. I didn't know. Oh, she probably thinks you can apply for it. Oh, well. So you or her, one of y'all sign my name. <laughs> There's no name yeah. sign. There is no name signing. I don't know about coming back to buy another house. Your primary your primary residence, right? Like I'm like, if I want to make some generational wealth and let me buy a rental property. How about a summer house? Seasonal. Seasonal. I'll come well, back when it's warm. I don't know that you will be selected. To, you know, I, you know what? Let me say it. I'm just <laughs> Have my statement for Monday. I know. Then how does that work? Because then you always have that clause. Are you? Do you know anybody? Are you related to? Anybody? But again, reparations, right? The only qualified for reparation that you're part of the harm party. If it was a class action suit, we would be asking you, "Does your brother work at AT and Maybe they would. But um, if you can prove that AT and T robbed you and they owe you money, then you sign up for the thing. You get your check. Right. And we really should be treating this more like that. I mean, that's another good model, right? A class action suit. If you can prove that you were part of the harm party, then you get, you know, this $10 million divided between whatever right. people. So I have a last question. Uh, what is there a number? Has anybody even bothered to study? What is the number of harmed people that have come through? <laughs> like, do can we count? By, that will be part of the feasibility study that I have, not, I have not seen. I think the research that has been done was to prove that Edmondson was part of housing discrimination because we did need that legally, right? So that has right. been, the research has been put together for that. Will it stand up in court? You know, I'm not a lawyer, but we do have research to show that we can. I think there was something that talked about how many black homeowners are in Edmondson now. Mm -hmm. um, now, would they all fall within this other criteria to receive it? Because some people could have bought the house, you know, last, moved here and bought the house last year. Um, but I think that in terms of what I've seen, that's kind of all the numbers I've seen produced. Hmm. You know, if we just say, you know, hey, we're going to, we're going to repair harm from black folk who was here from 1900 to 1925 or whatever, right? We don't know what that number is. Okay. All right. Well, there ain't nothing I can do about it, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to follow it. 
Thank you yeah. very much. For I will. Yes, I uh, sent you the information. I think I'm going to send it to Karen Hunter's people. I told them I would follow up with them so they can actually see what it is. And all I can do is put, put you know, I can say what it is and what it isn't. I haven't watched all the other articles and interviews that I've gone on, you know, with my peers or other folks in Evanston about it. So I don't know. I can just tell y'all what I am being asked to vote on. Okay. I'm keeping hope alive. Yeah, I'm with Jesse. Keep hope alive. All right, Jesse. Somebody going to send me my check, whether it's Evanston <laughs> or whether it's the federal government or whatever. Somebody asked. Well, I didn't tell folks this little stimulus check people are getting that I don't even get. That might be what you have to hold on to for your reparations. That's not the same. I know it's not the same. Everybody don't get that. I understand. Because I didn't get it. <laughs> but maybe, you know, hey, maybe the new year is a new day. Okay. Well, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. All right. So you have been listening to another episode of the Ready, Set, Free podcast. I'd like to thank my very special guest, my little sister, Cicely Wilson Fleming. You. you now know everything you need to know about well, where we stand on reparations in Evanston. We'll, we'll see what happens in another week or so. But um, You've now got the skinny. You guys can contact uh, Cicely for more information or contact me. I'll see if I can get the answers. But uh, yeah. You can, I'll put it up on my website, I think, the, uh, which is CicelyLFleming.com. All right. Cicely I think I'm going to put the link and stuff up there so I can stop having so many direct phone calls, maybe. Okay. And I, I, I put it, I share it pretty often. Okay. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Uh -huh.